Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. I've been looking forward to this subject of Advent for a very long time. And for the next four episodes, we're going to spend this Advent season, the season of preparation for the arrival of the baby Jesus, talking about redemption. I think that's an important topic for us to remember what this season's really all about. Redemption. I mean, that's why Jesus Christ came to earth in the first place, right? Redeeming humankind to God. You know, it's a story we often talk about at Easter, but before we get to the Easter story with the resurrection of Jesus, we first have to get him born, right? The story of redemption is so powerful. And one of my favorite redemption stories of all time happens to be one of the most beloved Christmas stories of all time. The classic Charles Dickens story, A Christmas Carol. It's the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. He's a miser. He's stingy. He's downright mean and cruel. He's for sure greedy. It's pretty clear that his only love is money. And as a result, he's totally alone. And probably to himself, he's unknowingly miserable. Charles Dickens published this amazing story on December 19, 1843, just in time for Christmas. And his first edition sold out by Christmas Eve, just five days later. You might find it interesting to know that he wrote it in just six weeks. And he wrote it as a social commentary. See, Charles Dickens was devoted to helping the marginalized in society. His own family had experiences with debtor's prison. In fact, he was forced to drop out of school as a boy to work at a factory to help his family. Dickens' biographer, one of them anyway, Michael Slater, writes that Dickens hoped the story would, quote, help open the hearts of the prosperous and powerful toward the poor and the powerless, end quote. As you no doubt know, the anti-hero for this book, or the movie, is old Ebenezer himself. (laughs) Ebenezer Scrooge. He's a pretty unlikely pop culture icon. But think about it. What do we call someone who's a wet blanket? A Scrooge. What do we call someone who's grumpy? You old Scrooge. And what about someone who doesn't latch on to the Christmas spirit? Ah, those people are called a Scrooge. Have any of you been called a Scrooge? Well, we're going to get familiar with Scrooge over these next four episodes during Advent. Because through the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, which we'll tie together with Scripture, 
we will see the four themes of the Advent season come to life for us. Hope, peace, love, and finally, joy. For those of you not familiar with the story of Ebenezer Scrooge or who just need a refresher, in this episode we're going to go through the opening of the book slash movie and see what it tells us about how we're all in need of redemption. But most importantly, how there's hope available for all of us. The story is set in London, and in 1840s England, folks are struggling mightily. Though England is certainly building its empire around the world, or at least starting to, folks in villages around London, the one that Scrooge lives in in the book, well, they're struggling. The author starts off with an ominous statement. I think it's one of the best openings of all time. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. Now, to paint on if you read the book or if you're watching a movie, the next line is a little bit different, but basically they mean the same thing. The fact that Marley's dead has to be completely understood by the audience to grasp the significance of what's about to happen. You see, Jacob Marley is the former business partner of Ebenezer Scrooge, and Jacob Marley died on Christmas Eve seven years prior to the time that the story that we're about to be told takes place. So now for the setting of the book or the movie. It's Christmas Eve. Old Scrooge exits the exchange on his way to his office, and he declines to show any mercy to a man who apparently is destined to debtor's prison unless Scrooge does something nice. Well, that's not going to happen. The man pleads with Mr. Scrooge to please allow him more time to repay his debt because he couldn't ask his wife to go to debtor's prison with him. Scrooge just counters with saying, well, why should she go to debtor's prison? You're the one who borrowed the money from me. There's no compassion whatsoever. A little later, men working for a charity enter Scrooge's place of business to seek donations to provide food and drink for the destitute during the Christmas holiday. It's in this scene that Scrooge utters the words we most associate with him. Bah! Humbug! The men plead with Scrooge, almost in disbelief that someone obviously with so much could be so callous towards those who have so little. The miser counters with, Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? The men counter back that most simply don't want to go to those places, and that most would rather die than go to them. Scrooge concludes the discussion by pronouncing, well, let them get on with dying then and decrease the surplus population. It's definitely not an example of caring for the least, the last, and the lost. It kind of reminds me in a way of the parable of the vineyard from Matthew 20. People who have missed out on any benefits from society show up late in the day to work in the vineyard and they get paid the same as those who work the entire day. That kind of arrangement would certainly drive Ebenezer nuts. Instead of welcoming the poor in the story of A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer literally would be fine if they were all just killed off or disappeared. Of course, you and I know in contrast, hopefully, as followers of Christ, we know that we are all called to love and serve our neighbors, especially the poor. Ebenezer apparently didn't get that message. So back to our story. 
Scrooge's nephew comes to ask his uncle to join him and his wife for Christmas dinner. Scrooge declines in a rather rough way. But he does take this opportunity to do something else. Oh, don't worry, it's nothing nice. He decides to criticize the nephew's wife. You see, she was poor when they married, and therefore she didn't enhance the economic outlook of the family. So Scrooge is arguing with the nephew that he should never have married someone with so little means. Not very romantic, is it? Definitely not charming. Yeah, Scrooge is being just a, well, Scrooge. Finally, Scrooge's lone employee, a clerk named Bob Cratchit, asks for the following day off from work, noting it comes but once a year, and pointing out that it's really not for him, it's really for his family. Well, Scrooge does give him the day off, but he gives him all kinds of grief about it. He tells him he better be in all the earlier the next day, and he counters that a paid day off amounts to theft. Never mind that poor Bob is sitting there freezing because Scrooge is too cheap to allow him to buy more coal to put into the fire. That kind of ends the first scenes of A Christmas Carol. There's a rather important person that's going to visit Scrooge here momentarily, but before we get there, we're going to pause for just a few moments for these messages. Join me, Ashley Alley Crawford, and me, Shelley Petz, as we host conversations with and for clergy in order to describe what's happening, ask questions about how God is at work in our midst, and encourage the heart of pastors and leaders in this liminal time in which we find ourselves. Our show is called At the Threshold because we know that we are in the midst of change in this season. You can subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, check out our website at greatplains.org slash at dash the dash threshold for more resources related to each topic. Our goal with each conversation is to find a little light at the threshold. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion, and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Help make more disciples today. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. For the four weeks of Advent, we're talking about the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge. And we're discussing how... The redemption of Scrooge helps us to remind ourselves that we also are in need of redemption. Today we're talking about the hope for that redemption. Up to now we've learned about just how miserable a person Ebenezer Scrooge is. He's just left his place of business and he's walking home. 
as Scrooge gets to his home, which, by the way, happens to be Jacob Marley's former home. Scrooge had just moved in after Jacob died, apparently. Anyway, Scrooge, in the cold evening, puts on his heavy robes and sits down by the fire. He's going to eat some porridge on this cold winter evening. Then he hears an awful noise. In the movies, it's a bell. I honestly can't remember exactly what it is in the books, but I remember something about an awfully loud noise. Anyway, it's one that gets Ebenezer's attention. And as he looks across the room, he sees a ghost. One with a familiar face. Why, it's the ghost of former partner Jacob Marley. Jacob tells Ebenezer that he is there to help his old friend escape the fate that has befallen him. You see, poor Jacob, he's been told he has to roam the earth. And indeed he is. And he's shackled by a chain that he's made link by link in his life. It's a chain that he built, and each one of those links joined the chain when he failed to watch out for the weaker, the poorer, the marginalized, when he showed no mercy, when he failed to show kindness. Jacob explains to Ebenezer that he's simply reaping what he sowed. And that brings us to the scripture that we'll focus on for this first week of Advent. It's from Paul's letter to the followers of Christ in Galatia. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. That scripture could have been stated by Jacob Marley, right? You reap whatever you sow. We've heard those words before, right? And we've probably chewed on those words a time or two in our lives. And man, are they tough to swallow. Well, Jacob Marley is reaping what he has sown. You see, in life, Jacob Marley didn't care about anything but his own pocketbook. He showed no mercy. But he did want to spare his friend Ebenezer. Because of his fate, Jacob is somewhat of a changed man. And he tells Ebenezer something very, very important. He tells Ebenezer that the chain that he has was the same length as Jacob's seven years ago. Remember, Ebenezer's had seven more years to add to his chain. So it's even longer, heavier. It's going to weigh him down even more. Jacob wants to spare his old friend Ebenezer, his only friend Ebenezer, from a similar fate. It kind of reminds me of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It's from Luke chapter 16. In that story, Lazarus is poor, but he's accepted into the eternal kingdom when he dies. By contrast, the rich man who walked by Lazarus every day and didn't give him anything was sent to hell. 
And the rich man just wants to warn his brothers so that they could avoid the same fate. That's what Jacob Marley is trying to do in this story. He's trying to save Ebenezer. But old Ebenezer is pretty stubborn. And as much as Jacob Marley tries to help him understand, Ebenezer is just as busy trying to explain away this ghost encounter. Maybe he ate some bad beef. Maybe some milk that he drank was curdled. Any number of reasons from the digestive system that Ebenezer would see a ghost and have this really intense discussion. But Jacob finally gets across to him, at least a little bit. Because Jacob starts to detail the things that he did in life. He cries out that they took money from the poor. They squandered money from other people. When Ebenezer says that it's, quote, just business, end quote, Jacob counters emphatically that humankind was our business. Well, actually, he says mankind, but this is the 21st century, so I'm all for being more inclusive in our language. But I think you get the point. So here's a question for you. What is your business? What is our business together, yours and mine, as followers of Christ? One scripture that comes to mind is the parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew chapter 25. If you go and read that, you're going to see that it's all about Jesus saying that when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we visit the imprisoned, when we visit the sick, we're doing that to him. Jacob never did those kinds of things when he was alive. And old Ebenezer has been even worse at it. Jacob's change showed that he failed. Ebenezer can't see his change yet, but they are there. If he doesn't change, his chain is going to be even longer, even heavier. How are we doing at the things that would help us break the chains? At helping other people, showing compassion, being kind. Think about your own congregation. So here's what my congregation is doing. It's Centenary United Methodist Church in North Lawrence, Kansas. Well, we can't do a whole lot. Our, our congregation's a little older. We're not going to be out rebuilding porches for people or painting houses or anything like that. So what could we do? Well, we are endeavoring to raise money, but mostly collect diapers for the Ballard Center. It's an organization in the north side of Lawrence that actually works with all of Douglas County, Kansas, and their mission is to help families who are either in crisis or nearing crisis to sustain those families, and they need diapers, a lot of diapers. So our church has tried to provide as many diapers as it can. As of this recording, over the last two and a half months, we've taken almost 2,000 diapers over to the Ballard Center, and we hope to do more. We provided cookies and thank you notes for teachers at Woodlawn Elementary School, the only school in the north part of Lawrence. It's a relatively small school, but it's a vibrant part of that area, and it's an essential member of North Lawrence's community. And the teachers there needed some morale boosts. 
oh, they didn't ask for it. We just know that for sure they needed something to boost their spirits because, let's just face it, teachers don't get paid enough, and teachers are always, always under the microscope. How well are they doing? How are their students doing on tests? Throw in a pandemic, and wow, it's so much worse. Another thing that our church is doing that I hope you'll take part in if you're in the Lawrence area is our Festival of Nativities. That starts on Saturday, December 4th, and goes on Saturdays and Sundays until the end of December. We are not open on Christmas Day, but we are the day after Christmas. Roughly 350 nativity scenes from around the world. Six of seven continents represented, and that's only because nobody lives in Antarctica. If you need any more information or you're interested at all, please go to lawrencecentenary.org for more information. There's some other things that we do on a much smaller scale. We have a lot of homeless folks around our church, so every now and then we'll provide bus passes, some grocery cards, things that a lot of other churches do. And then how about checking in on each other? Unfortunately, our congregation has had a lot of opportunities to practice this idea of checking in on the sick. But we've done that. Not just the pastor. It's been a lot of folks within the congregation checking in on each other with phone calls and visits. Those are some things that one small congregation of about 31 people are doing in the north part of Lawrence, Kansas. What is your congregation doing? What are you doing by yourselves? You know, maybe together, as Christians, regardless of which church we belong to, we can break off a link or two of those chains that we've been crafting over the years. I think I have a little bit of experience with this. I'll confess that I was doing a pretty good job building a chain for a while. I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was concerned for a while about moving on up. And I probably wasn't discounting anyone or marginalizing anyone, at least not that I know of. Maybe I did. But I can tell you this, and this I'm sure of, I certainly was not helping people like I should have been. So what is your congregation doing? And what are you doing to try to break the chains? But preacher, you might be thinking to yourself, what does this have to do with Advent or Christmas? Well, remember that we are all lost because of sin in our lives. We all need redemption, just like old Ebenezer. But we have hope. Jesus, whose birth we are preparing to celebrate, came to earth to redeem all of us. I get asked this question every now and then, so I figured I'll share it with you here. What's my Reader's Digest version of the Bible? Well, I give you the extreme Reader's Digest version, and it goes like this. Humankind and God were together in paradise. Sin got in the way and pushed us about as far away as possible from each other. And the entire rest of the Bible, after those very first few chapters in the book of Genesis, everything after that is all about God reconciling humankind back to God. Because we aren't capable, but God desperately wants a relationship with us. So much so that that effort to reconcile us all culminates with Jesus, his only begotten son, dying on the cross in our place. Ah, but first, 
First, we have to have the arrival of the Christ child. And friends, in Advent, this first week where hope is the theme, that arrival of the Christ child, that is our hope for redemption. Old Ebenezer, he doesn't know it yet, but he has a chance for redemption too. His path, though, involves interaction with three ghosts. So in the next episode, along with Ebenezer, we're going to meet the ghost of Christmas past. And we're going to find out how, through Ebenezer's story, we can find out about peace, the second aspect of Advent. Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifer. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archive podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org, and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.